We're so glad you've chosen the Teen Challenge of Southern California podcast today. Up next in the series are the brand new sessions from the 2020 Refresh Pastors Conference hosted each year at the Benedict Castle in Riverside. Our fourth session is from Gary Wilkerson. The title of his message is Praise Has the Last Word. Be encouraged today. I absolutely love when a man of God speaks about God. You know, because a lot of times we speak about you, and you're nice, I like you guys, but you're not as good as God. And so, so hearing you talk about God, how wonderful and awesome and glorious and awe-inspiring he is, it's just that my favorite messages are the ones that talk about God. And so I'll try to fit him in this sermon here today. <laughs> Let me pray for us, and then uh, if you'll turn in your scriptures to Genesis, the 29th chapter, we're going to talk a little bit about Jacob and Leah, and Jacob and Rachel. Father, we ask you to speak to us once again. Thank you for um, speaking to our hearts about filling the cups to overflowing, and about the mat uh, being our message, and Lord, about how wonderful and awesome and inspiring you are to us. We ask you to let these messages uh, stick with us and uh, get in our hearts and get in our minds and stay with us, not just the next few days, but uh, as part of our life. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Genesis chapter 29, start reading in verse 31. While you're turning there, I want to encourage you to, uh, to change your plans. That's nothing to do with my sermon. This is, this is this word of, of edification for you, to change your plans, because I just get a sense, uh, every conference I've been at, uh, whether we're in... Romania or South Africa or here in the United States, um, everybody comes the first day, and then some people think the second day I kind of get kind of got to get back to work, I kind of got to get home, or there's my kids are waiting, or my church needs this or that. So I, I just have a really wonderful word of encouragement: change your plans, and and just stay here tomorrow. You don't want to miss um, you don't want to miss the best wine of the wedding that comes last, and I I, I believe. If, if you want to miss the best wine, you go ahead on. I don't know, there's more for the rest of us, but no, we want you to, we want you to stay. We want you to, uh, to be a part. So, uh, and I'm joking a little bit. If you have to go, obviously, you know, we're not, we're not they, we have, they have the Teen Challenge guards are at the gate there. Uh, so turn your car around, get back there. You know, some former guys of MS-13 are waiting there for you. So. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and uh, so I, I'm saying it sort of tongue-in-cheek, but at the same time, I do want to encourage you, if, if at all possible, uh, even if you have plans already, if, if there's any chance of you changing your plans and, and planning on staying through the, to the last session, the last Q&A uh, tomorrow, the last time of prayer together, uh, that'll, that'll be uh, amazing. It's, it's great to be, always great to be in the house of the Lord, and I think it's Particularly great to be in the house of the Lord when it's on a Teen Challenge campus. Uh, the wonderful things that God is doing um, through uh, Pastor Ron Brown and his family and uh, through the Teen Challenge family here in Southern California and Central California, Northern California, all across the United States. Uh, Pastor Ron, you know this. There's some really good things happening right now in the United States Teen Challenge. There's some good leadership that, are, that are God's raising up, and I think the future looks brilliant, and I was just so thrilled, weren't you, to hear of seven, uh, seven new locations that God has put on your heart? That, 
my, my, my father would be very proud of you. He would be, he would be blessed to know that uh, men have taken up the baton uh, such as you, men and women like yourself, and thank God for you. Let's put our hands together one more time and just thank God for your wonderful family. Uh, verse 31, Genesis 29, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved. Isn't that heartbreaking? Poor girl. I mean, I have a daughter. I have three sons. Um, then about five years later, we thought, one more time, Lord, but please let it be a girl. Uh, these boys are rough. Uh, and we got our little girl, and uh, she was a delight. Fathers, wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be heartbreaking to think that your daughter was unloved? And the Lord saw, the Lord saw uh, Leah's brokenness, and, and he started working on her behalf. He enabled her. I love that phrase, just that he enabled her. He, he, gave, her, he gave her an ability, something that was... Something that was uh, encouraging to her, something that blessed her spirit. He enabled her to have children, but Rachel could not conceive. Rachel had a lot of other stuff going on for her, right? You read about her? She was, she was in the original Hebrew, it was, says she was hot. <laughs> or or, or it, could be, could be, it could be translated fine. She was fine. Uh, but, but, I mean, the Bible's pretty clear about it. She had a really good-looking face and a nice body. That's, that's actually what it says. So, so you know, don't, worry, don't give her any children. She's got enough going on. <laughs> but, but Leah, uh, the Lord saw her need. So Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, The Lord has noticed my misery, uh, and now my husband will love me. The, na- the name Reuben, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but it means look or, or, or see see me, see, see something I've done. See, Jacob, you, you, love, you love Rachel, but you're not loving me. But, but, but if I do something, will you see me then? Will you see who I am? That's, that's what she named her first son. Now the Lord noticed my misery. Uh, so, excuse me, verse 33. She soon became pregnant again and gave birth to another son. She named him Simeon. And this one means hear. Can you hear what I'm trying to say to you? Do I have a voice? Do I have... Am I significant? Do I have any meaning in your life? Do, do, you have any, do I have any value? And so she's naming these sons after her need, after the things that she's craving, her longings in her heart. She's, she's transferring that onto her, her boys, thinking maybe these boys will give me an identity and give me the thing that I'm longing for. You know, all of us in this room have, have very basic human longings. Whether you're a Christian or not, you have a longing for significance. You want to mean something to somebody. You have a longing for security. You want to be in a secure environment where you know you're safe among the people you're with. You have a, 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 a desire to be loved, to be heard, to be noticed, to, to have significance again. And soon she became pregnant again, gave birth to another son. She named him Sibian, uh, for she said, The Lord heard, that's that thing, hearing me, that I was unloved, and he has given me another son. She became pregnant a third time and gave birth to another son. She named him Levi, for she said, Surely this time my husband will feel affection for me, since I have given him three sons. The Hebrew name for Levi here means attached. Uh, I long to be attached to somebody. I long to connect with people. I don't, I don't want to be isolated. This happens for you, our, our pastors here. Many people come to your church not for your great sermons or not for your great music. They have a longing to be attached to people. That's why community is so important in our local Christian churches. And she says, 
um, uh, Levi, for surely this time my husband will feel affection or attachment to me, and I will give, uh, since he has given me three sons. Once again, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to another son. Let me just stop there for a second. She's had three sons. Look at me. Give me some attention. Listen to me. Let my voice count in your life. Be attached to me. Have, uh, she's, she's crying out. You see this. Out of the sense of being unloved comes a, 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 even more so children that are from environments where they're not loved have deeper senses of longing because they're not getting any of those longings fulfilled when they're, child, when they're children. So it becomes pronounced as they get older. It's pronounced in her life and she's living vicariously through her children, hoping to get her children to give her this meaning from her husband, this attachment that she's longing for. And, and, and it's not working which is the case in many situations. It just doesn't work to try to find the thing we're looking for in a marriage, in a family, in a job, or even in your church, in your ministry. Maybe I'll be loved when I preach well. Maybe I'll be heard when I can become a charismatic, uh, articulate speaker. Maybe I will be seen when my church grows or my ministry grows. The, these, these things are... There, there's a good desire, like we talked about with, the, with the, the filling the jars, there's a good desire for more, but there's also an illegitimate desire for more when it comes from a need. You're not, com- you're not coming from an obedient step to God. You're coming from a need. God, fill my need through my identity being born and birthed and created and developed in these things that I get out of performance orientation. So she's, she, like probably all of us, I think she gets fed up with it. She just goes, I tried to get him to look. He doesn't look at me. I tried to get him to listen. He doesn't listen to me. I tried to get him to be attached to me. Just no matter what I do, it's not working. You ever feel that way? Just, just you've tried this. You've tried that. You've tried ministry. You've tried preaching. you tried prayer ministry. you tried you know, evangelism. You tried, you tried being more friendly. you tried being more outgoing. You tried, you're just trying and trying. And you finally get fed up. And some of that fed up, I'm about to tell you something that maybe sounds strange to you. Some of that fed upness is good. To get fed up trying to get people to look at you. To get fed up to get people to try to listen to more, more people listening. How many of you have listening to you on your sermon podcast or whatever? Just, it, it, it's kind of good to give that up a little bit. It, 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 it's it's kind of good to get rid of the sense of I, I need somebody to be attached to me to make me feel good about myself. And, and so she fin- I think she finally gets to that place. The, the, the Bible doesn't say it outright, but it's suggested here by saying... Once again, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to another son. She named him Judah, for she said, now I will praise the Lord. And then she stopped having children. Uh, the title of my message today is Praise Has the Last Word. Praise Has the Last Word. You, you, there's, a, there's a word in your heart that says, I, I want to be seen. There's a word in your heart that says, I want to be heard. There's a word in your heart that says, I want to be attached and, and connected and significant and meaningful and purposeful and impactful but the, the last word really comes down to, will I praise him? Will I praise the Lord? Did you see the shift here in her focus? Yes. Um, my wife, Kelly, I don't know where she, Kelly back there. Oh, she's in the back there. Uh, I, met, I met Kelly when I was uh, 17. She was 16. Um, we, I met on a, a beautiful, warm East Texas night. I, I grew up in New York City. She grew up in... in um, uh, Elderville. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh at Elderville, but has like a. Uh, 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 you, you know, when you grow up in New York, you just can't get rid of your snobbiness. Snobbiness, you know, you just you're snobby about other places. Unless you're from California, then you're even worse. 
<laughs> Am I in trouble? I'm okay. It's been a it's been a wonderful eight years to be with you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so so Elderville has like what? How many people? What's the population in Elderville, Kelly? Do you remember? Fifty or sixty? So, See now, Kelly, I'm not the only one laughing at you. Others are, are joining at me. It's a little tiny, little tiny, tiny, tiny town. And, uh, uh, but I remember the first night I, I saw her, it was, um, you know, coming from New York, I, didn't, I wasn't used to the environment, and somebody invited me to this Christian outdoor concert. And it was uh, this, these people owned like 300 acres, and what they would do is set up the hay bales, uh, almost like chairs, and it was down the hill, and they had this different Christian singers, Keith Green, and... Uh, different people like that would come and do concerts. And so uh, there was this one night. Anybody remember the name Nancy Honeytree? Does anybody remember? There's a few Nancy Honeytree. Okay, that was so Nancy Honeytree was singing this night. And, um, and my friend Kevin and two other his friends, Mark was one of them and another young man was there. And, and Kevin says to me, oh, uh, my pastor's daughter is here tonight. And she's really like, he didn't use this phrase, but she's really like uh, Rachel. And, uh, and so, so Kevin says, hey, come with me, be, be sort of like, you know, be my wingman, you know, sort of chat me up a little bit. And so I'm walking over there, and, and I kind of see the direction he's walking. He's walking towards this beautiful girl. And this is, again, it was, it was one of those kind of summer evenings that's kind of cool, breeze blowing, full moon. Her hair was kind of like this, this kind of glowing, shining, <laughs> eye, eyes glistening, skin was perfect. I didn't know it at the time, but she was a cheerleader, which made her more. You know, <laughs> so, so I was like, "Yeah, baby." So, uh, so instead of so, inst so Kevin is, you know, like, "Hey, hey, Kelly, <laughs> hey, Kelly," and it's like I'm sitting in kind of back there, and, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm an introvert, and I'm very shy. So when I was in high school, if I were to ask a girl out to, you know, to a meal or something like that. I would have to have sort of like my friend go and get it confirmed first. And like, I'm, I'm, Gary's going to ask you out if you're going to say yes to him. And then, then it has to be confirmed by a second witness and like signing things, like let, have, her, have her write it, in, have her put it on paper for me because I don't want, I'm too, I, I'm too nervous about going up. You know, I was, not, I was not cool like that. And so I was nervous. I didn't know what to do. And I was just thinking like, I was just, but, but I was, now, you're going to think I'm strange here, because, and this is not my theological or my philosophical ideal of life. It's just what, what, what happened to me. I, I believe in love at first sight, because I, literally, I, I honestly believe. I, I looked at it, and I was like, and maybe it was lust, but it was like. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I was like, it's, uh, I know what lust is like, and this feels different, you know? It's like, it's, there's something good about this. There's something pure I really like about this. And so I didn't know what to do because, you know, Kevin was just about ready to ask her out. Praise the Lord. Praise has the last word. My sister walks up. My sister walks up and, and says to me and Kevin and Mark and the other boy that was there, says, um, hey, I can see you guys are like, you know, planning something here. Let me help you out. Let me get this thing started. I know you guys want to go out with this girl. 
And my sister didn't even know her. <clears throat> says, okay, you four boys, pick a number between one and ten. Whoever gets the number right gets to go out and take her to Dairy Queen, which is the big date thing in East Texas. Uh, you can take her to Dairy Queen tonight. So uh, I picked the number seven, godly number, the perfect number. Uh, I did. I remember what number I picked. I picked seven. And all four of us picked numbers. And my sister goes, Gary, you're right. You picked uh, seven. It's, it's seven. Uh, uh, I hear... I hear some groaning there, because you know, you know what happened, right? My sister later told me whatever number I picked was the right number. She, uh, she, said, uh, she did. She told me. Uh, so I went. So I went. Uh, so she said. She said yes, and I went. Yeah, let's let's go. So we went to Dairy Queen, had a Belt Buster and a, a Dilly Bar, and a, anybody know what I'm talking about here? No. Uh, yeah. 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 It's, I probably should be using In-N-Out Burger to illustrate this, but it's, uh, the Dairy Queen was our equivalent of that. And Whataburger, if you ever heard of Whataburger. Uh, Whataburger. <laughs> oh, Whataburger, yeah. <laughs> got, got some fans here. Uh, so anyway, we went there that night, and, and then I took her out on a, on a more official first date, which was in the big town near us called Tyler, Texas. And that was, that was the city. And we went to Pizza Hut, and I was really, now I'm spending my money. And, uh, <laughs> I get, you know, they order the pizza, I get the first slice, I bite into it, and the whole thing of hot cheese comes, comes down on my chin, just, I mean, it's scorching my chin, and, and, and I want to act cool, so I kind of like, and she goes, is that, is that hot? And I, I thought, I blew it, and I was like, the love of my life, and she's seeing me, with and I'm, I'm moving cheese and there's like a, you know red boily skin over here like bubble no it wasn't that bad anyway so she but then she said she'd go out with me again and we went out again and finally after about uh, uh, you know, I guess it was almost a year later uh, we were walking down this beautiful river in East Texas and uh, um, just this, this nice dirt path beautiful stream flowing here trees covering the walkway and I got the ring out and I knelt down and I'm thinking, like, she better say yes, she better say yes, she better say yes. I had asked her four or five times if I ever asked her to marry me, would she say yes? And she said yes. So I was, I was, I was still dealing with the confidence thing there. But, uh, but, uh, so, but it, was, it was like the, uh, you know, just, the, just the, you're not sure, right, guys? You know, you're, just not, you're not sure. They might have changed their mind. Uh, maybe Kevin came back. And, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, but I asked her, ring, and she took it, and she put it on, and she said yes. And I was just like so... Uh, it's just like, oh, that's, that's love, that's life, that's, 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 that, that touches the soul. I, it was like really one of the greatest days of my life is when she said yes to, to marry me. And uh, uh, then at the wedding, she showed up. That was even, uh, everything was working really good. So, so Jacob, so I'm, I'm still preaching here. <laughs> Do you like that segue? So Jacob, uh, so Jacob sees Rachel, and he's head over heels in love. He's just like, oh, I will do anything. Uh, what, can, what can I do, Laban, to have your daughter, your youngest daughter, not your older daughter? She's, she has problems with her eyes, is what basically they were saying. She had, if in art, she'd probably have, like, not much able to, yeah. Uh, less, less beautiful um, by far. Than, 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 than Rachel. So he's, he's immediately like, he's enamored with her, and I'll do anything, I'll work seven years for her. Um, so he works seven years for her, and then on uh, the wedding night, there's a surprise. So I, I, I wanna do something a little different. There's a young couple here, I didn't ask you guys beforehand. You guys got married about a year ago? 
Can you guys come? He was, he was the son in the last uh, dramatic presentation. Now he's, now this is real. He really is married to this beautiful lady. Okay. All right, so for, for, for the, our presentation here this afternoon, you're going to be Jacob, okay? And you're going to be Rachel, okay? Right? That, that's very, that fits very well, right? Fits very well. You would work, she's Rachel. You would work very, very, you would work for her for seven years. Okay. That's my brother. That's my brother. Okay. Okay. Now I need a Leia, but I'm but I'm not gonna ask. I'm not gonna ask. It's like where's? You're gonna be my Leia. Okay. Now, he is an extremely handsome man, uh, but, but doesn't make for a good layer, does he? I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, a, you know, could, uh, the, the, the beard, you don't, you don't want to, you don't, you don't want to, uh, to Jacob work seven years for this, get had a little bit too much to drink on your honeymoon, and wake up and... <laughs> like... Like, now, now this is not, no, no letters to Teen Challenge about, like, that, that was a guy. You know, it's like, those two guys, we're not, I'm not talking about that. I'm just, uh, this is Leia, okay? This is Leia with a beard. All right, okay. <laughs> and uh, so, so, so Jacob, what would you, would you be, like, thrilled? Like, oh, that's okay, he's, she's, she's pretty good looking, yes. What would you, you'd be less than thrilled? Less than thrilled. All right, so, sorry. Wow, that's, that's rude. Okay, you can sit down. Okay, let's put it. Okay, you guys stay here for a minute. All right, so, so you're, uh, so then, so then Laban says, okay, um, I'll work another seven years and then you can have my younger daughter because my older daughter is supposed to get married first, not my youngest daughter. So my oldest daughter is not married yet. I thought maybe after working for seven years, my older daughter would be married, but she's not married. So my younger daughter needs to wait until after the older daughter. Does that make sense? Yeah. You go for, you know, you go for that? You'll work for her for another seven years? Yeah. Okay. You heard it, Mom. You heard it, Dad. <laughs> okay. All right, thank you, guys. You can sit down. That's, that's, uh... So... so I know we're kind of making a little light of it here, but, but you get the real story here, how heartbreaking that would be for Leah, and, and how it just confirms the, the pain of her own heart and intensifies those longings. I want to be seen. I want to be heard. I, I, I want to be attached. And, um, when, when, when we live our lives through brokenness or through pain or through abandonment, through uh, parents' divorce, through a, a, a father leaving us and abandoning us, when we, when we experience those things, it intensifies these needs, these longings in us because we feel a vacuum inside. We feel those things have not been met. And if they've not been met by a human person in our life, then we try to find sources in life and different ways to do that. We, we are faced with uh, a lot of trauma in our life. Um, I grew up in a really good home. I mean, it was it was super amazing. My my mom was my mom, my mom didn't like to read, uh, so she, I very rarely saw her ever read her Bible. And I always thought, well, you know, the the preachers tell you you're supposed to read your Bible like you know, three chapters a day, and so and she she probably hadn't read her Bible in a month, you know. So she's probably not a godly woman. 
as I got older, I saw she's the most godly woman I ever met. Some people that, some people that boast about how much they read their Bible is just because they like to read more than the rest of us. You know what I mean? It's just like they love reading and then, hey, that's a good book, I'll read that. It doesn't make you any more spiritual. Now, certainly we can learn a lot, grow. Theology is important, doctrine is important. Uh, studying the scriptures, uh, we're commanded to do that and it's, it helps us in our, our walk with God. <clears throat> but just reading alone is, is, is not sufficient. And so uh, my, my mom was very, uh, she, didn't, she didn't read a lot, but she was very loving and very kind and very merciful. And, and then my father, some most of you know, because your involvement in Teen Challenge know about his faith. And when I was around him, he was like, his faith was contagious. He made you just want to take mountains and slay giants. You know, just, he, he was a, a man of faith. Uh, so I grew up in one of the best homes you could possibly have. My grandfather was a pastor. My great-grandfather was a pastor. My great-great-grandfather, and on and on, six generations of pastors in our family. So you can't get any more kind of like religious, spiritual, God-fearing than that. You can't sort of come from a, very rare to come from a heritage like that, so I'm grateful for it. But I do want to say to you, even in the best of homes, there are hurts, there are difficulties, there's pain. My father traveled a whole lot. He's gone sometimes three weeks at a time, home for a week, then another three-week trip. When you're a child, you don't know that your parents are doing something wrong. And, and, and again, it's, it's up to him and God as to whether or not he was gone too much. But as a child, I felt like he was gone, whether he was or not. I felt like he was gone too much. When you're a child, you don't project onto your parents like they're making a mistake. You know what you think? Something's wrong with me. I, I'm not enough to draw his look, his hearing, his attachment to me. So I have to do something to try to earn his favor, his, his desire for me. I got, I got to do something. So, so he's real spiritual, so I'll get real spiritual. I'll read my Bible a lot. I'll pray a lot. I'll witness to my high school friends a lot. And I'll come home and tell my dad about the great things I'm doing. I wasn't doing hardly any of that for Jesus. I was doing it a little, not knowing it myself so much at the time. I was doing a lot of that for myself to try to get something from somebody else. So even in the, I say all that just to say, not to get you to feel sorry for me at all. Again, couldn't ask for a better home. What I say all that to say, even in the best of homes, you have been hit, faced with some form of trauma. <clears throat> Could you imagine the most difficult of home situations where you were physically or sexually abused, where you were abandoned by a father, where a mother and father were throwing things at each other, plates and, and, and accusations at each other constantly, and you grew up in that, that environment of fear, of uncertainty, and of no, unknowing. Psychiatrists and doctors tell us there's two types of trauma, two types of trauma. The first type of trauma is when things that should have never happened to you happen to you, things God never intended to happen in your life, names that you were called, ways that you were hit or touched, the abandonment that took your place, these things should have never happened to you. And that is a form of trauma that creates in all of us a longing to, to find a way to, what, to gain what you feel is missing inside. There's this sense of there must be something wrong with me. So if I could do something, if I could have a, a Reuben, if I could be heard, if I could be listened to, then I will be accepted, then I will be loved. And so we, we, we begin to create a course of action that, that is trying to compensate for that sense of something missing inside. Are you following me so far? Yes. The second type of trauma is very different. It's not something that 
uh, should not have happened to you as a child, but did happen to you. This is something, the second form is something that should have happened to you, but that didn't happen to you. In other words, you should have been protected. You should have been loved. You should have been nurtured. You should have been cherished. You should have been held a lot. You should have been laughed with and, 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 uh, and brought into an environment. You should have had a lot of conversations with your father. You should have had a lot of walks with your mother. You should have uh, been told stories. You should have been read to at night. You should have been prayed over every day. These are things that should have happened to you that didn't. Now, that doesn't seem like a lot of trauma, does it? If you've been beaten with the back of a hand, if your father was a... A, a drug addict and left you when you're two years old, you know that's trauma, right? And here's what doctors tell us, that that form of trauma is so pronounced in our life, we usually go for help quite early. We'll turn to drugs very early and then realize how bad that is, so we'll get the kind of counseling that can help us out of that thing. <clears throat> that, that, that The severe type of trauma that is uh, things that should have never happened to you as a child that did happen to you, oftentimes, uh, create in us a more pronounced sense of our own need, and therefore we go for help more often. It's more often that people, you've heard of people say, I'm going to counseling, or I'm seeing a, a counselor, I'm meeting with my pastor. More people say that when they have, they, they know something, I was abused as a child, I was neglected, uh, my parents split up, <clears throat> whatever it might be, we go for help then. But it's the second type of trauma that is less pronounced, but it's more dangerous because it's so subtle that it stays with us sometimes our whole life. 40, 50, 60, 70, 80-year-old people are still dealing with certain things because, it, or, or, or I should say, they're not dealing with things because they are, they are undealt with issues of the heart. I was preaching in Finland a few months ago, and I was preaching a little bit about this, not this message, but just a little bit about the trauma. And a 70-year-old man walked up to me and said, mm, um, you know, I'm Finnish, and we don't really show our emotions very uh, openly, but I want to tell you tonight, it's like I've had a... a I've had the exact type of trauma you're talking about, just, uh, and I think about it every day, but almost more like subconsciously, and, and, and he just began to cry, and he said, the pain of my life is so, it's been so hard, I just, I don't love people well, I don't open my heart to people, and it just, we began to pray for you, know, I began to pray for him, and just saw God move and touch at 70 years old. And so the second form of trauma that we have is a trauma that oftentimes causes us to, uh, uh, to be very subtle about it. And we, we, we say, well, it, and here's the problem with it. We, we, we kind of excuse it. We say, well, it wasn't that bad. You know, it's like, well, yeah, that happened, but, but this good thing happened too. And so we kind of try to balance the scales, and therefore we never sometimes deal with some of the hurts that we had in our own childhood or our own teenage years or our own upbringing, our own relationships. The problem is then we bring that into our own relationships with our own children, our own family. The things that we've never dealt with ourselves begin to be uh, things that our children have to deal with because if, like this 70-year-old man, for instance, he never really learned to love deeply uh, because he was never really loved deeply himself. Therefore, his own children and now grandchildren were seeing a, a grandfather who was very distant from them, who, a father who, who didn't really relate deeply to them. And so he, had the, he was at 70 learning to deal with this. It's never too late. We can deal with these things. Uh, I'm still dealing with some of the things in my own life. It's a constant. It's, it's not a one-time. Uh, healing is, is not always an event. It's more often a journey. It's, it's, it's more a journey that, that the Holy Spirit walks us through into these things. So back to the story here, Rachel, excuse me, Leah is obviously dealing with some of these hurts because of her, probably a lot of it having to do with her physical appearance, her rejection, being unloved, and then it's just even uh, a, a double portion, if you will, 
of, of pain in her life when she gets married and she's, on her honeymoon night, she's rejected. She sees the disappointment in Jacob's eyes and, and in his conversation and his subsequent move towards to Laban to try to bring the woman that he loves more than, uh, than he loves Leah. So she's, she's going through this, this pain, and as, as I said earlier, she's, she's saying, look, it's a boy, it's, it's Reuben, or hear me, it's, it's Simeon, and, and now I'll be heard, or it's Levi, and now I'll be, now I'll be attached. And, you know, it's just, man can look at you, but it's God, only God who can see you. Pe- people can listen to you, but it's only God who truly hears you at the deepest level of your soul, where 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 the deepest longings, the cravings of your soul, where, where the unhealed you is still needing to have a voice, to be looked at, to be seen, to be touched, to be loved deeply. Man can accept you, but it's only God who truly loves you. And that's why this relationship with God, she, Leah is finally realizing that no matter what she does, there has to be another source to meet our deepest longings. It can't be in people alone. It can't be in riches alone. It can't be in success or popularity alone. It can't be in fame or fortune alone, nor can it be in ministry alone. It can't be in preaching sermons. It can't be in building a church. It can't be in starting a teen challenge program. It can't be in helping drug addicts. It can't be in counseling those who are hurting. Those things can be good, helpful, and godly, but our security, our significance, our worth, our self-value does not come from any of those things. It comes from Jesus Christ. It comes from knowing him. I think it was Jeremiah, Jeremiah 9.23 said it so well. Uh, let not a mighty man glory in his might or a strong man in his strength or a wise man in his wisdom, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he knows me, that I'm a God of loving kindness and mercy. That's, it's that, that's, that's, that's where we boast. You see, otherwise, we're, 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 even in our ministry, we're, we're going to our people and to our friends and to our Facebook audience, we're going, look, it's a boy. Look, look what I did. Or, or listen, here's my next, here's my next recording. Listen, listen, listen to me. Be attached. What's the roll call? You know, how many, how many are attached to my ministry now? Is it, is it 50? Is it 100? Is it 500? Is it 5,000? And we, that's, that, we think we have a sense of attachment from that. And we think that pastors that have a larger church somehow have gained more credit to, to be more people attached to them. But that's not true. Attachment doesn't come from the size of the congregation, the size of the ministry, the budget of the ministry, how many buildings you own. The, the, the security, significance, worth, and value does not come from any of those things. Those are secondary issues. Their true significance comes from knowing him, that he loves you, that you're his daughter, that you're his son. You're, 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 you know, and, and, and just this, here's a little sidebar. Um, you know, every, every, every little girl and you know, in Elderville or, you know, Podunk, Kansas, they, a lot of them think they're, they're Rachels, you know, because in their high school, they were, they were the prom queen and, the, uh, you know, the cheerleader. And so they, you know, they kind of think they're, they're Rachel. And then they get to L.A., <laughs> right? And, and it hits them. Oh, wait a minute, I'm a Leah. Because there's so many Rachels here in, in this area, like Rachels from all over the country coming here and, and I say all that to say, if, you're, if you think you're a Rachel, you're probably a bit of a Leah. But if you're thinking you're a Leah, there's some Rachel in you as well. 
There's, there, there's something inside of you that God has placed in you. And so we're not to estimate ourselves based on our appearance, based on our performance, based on our popularity. We evaluate ourselves based on that single relationship. Are we in right standing with Jesus Christ? Do we get our, are we getting our love and our acceptance from him? Then, then I can go to other people now, not being like what my Christian counselor in, uh, when I was studying counseling in Bible school, he said a lot of marriages are like... Uh, um, like, like two ticks, you know what a tick is? Like they have those, uh, two, two ticks and no dog. <laughs> I never forgot that. It's like, you know, there's nothing to like, you know, just like, you're just getting stuff from each other. Uh, and so, 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 so we got to get our source of life right. Otherwise, you know, we're sucking life out of people. Love me. Look at me. Pay attention to me. Look at me perform. I'm, I'm like a little street monkey. Ding, 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 ding. Look at me preach. Ding, ding, ding. Don't you love me? Don't you, don't you accept me? Aren't you going to approve of me? Aren't you going to pat me on the back? Aren't you going to download my sermons? Just like watch me dance. And it's, it's an abomination. It's horrible. It's a horrible way to live your life because it's never enough. Leah realized it was never enough. Look at me. Look at it. It's a boy. Here's a cigar. Look, 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 he listened to me. Be attached to me. It's just never, it's never enough. She finally gets to the place where she sees everything that she needs comes from praise. She doesn't need approval. She needs praise. She doesn't need to be seen by man. She needs to praise the Lord. She doesn't need to be seen by others. She needs to praise the Lord. She doesn't need to show others how approving she is, applause she can get, or acceptance she deserves. She just needs to praise the Lord. She's starting to understand this now. Her fourth son is named Judah. And she says, I'm just going to name him Praise. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm not going to waste my time on trying to get approval and acceptance. I'm going to just praise the Lord. She starts seeing praise is, is the answer. Praise has the final word. The answer, the answer to her longing is not getting her needs met, but it's in praising the Lord. It's, it's in that relationship. It's in, it's in that, it, it's, it's to look at the Lord for who he is, his faithfulness, for he sees us, for he hears us, for he is accepting us, for his approval is on, upon us, for us to belong to him. When you feel like, finally realize this, Praise then has the final word in your life. The word is no longer approve me, look at me, accept me. The final word in your life becomes, I'm here to praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but I've come to praise the Lord. You may not hear me, but you're going to know that I'm going to still praise the Lord. You may not look at me, but I'm still going to praise the Lord. You may not approve of me, but I'm still praise the Lord. You may not accept me, but I'm still going to praise the Lord. You may not like me, but I'm still going to praise the Lord. You may not download my sermons, but I'm going to still praise the Lord. You may not applaud for me, but I'm still going to praise the Lord. You may not put a lot of money in my offering plate, but I'm still going to praise the Lord. You might decide to not attend my church anymore, but I'm going to still praise the Lord. You may not pat me on the back when I'm done preaching the sermon, but when I'm done preaching the sermon, I'm still going to praise the Lord. When we praise him, that's where we find our victory. That's where we find our significance. That's where we find our fulfillment. Uh, that's where we find our place of belonging. Proverbs 28, 20 says, Sheol and Bandon are never satisfied and are never satisfied with the eyes of the man. Uh, but the, the crucible is for silver, the furnace for gold, but a man is tested by his praise. Not his gold, not his silver. What, what satisfies a man? And, 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 a, and a woman, if you, if you have been even in ministry for a long time and yet you still have this 
yearning in your soul, like I'm not satisfied, I'm missing something, there's got to be more, it, 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 more numbers, more dollars, more buildings, more programs, is that what's going to satisfy you? Not at all. I would suggest to you it's more praise. Yes. To, to wake up in the morning and say, in the morning I'm going to praise the Lord. And then when you're eating lunch, you go in the lunchtime, I'm going to praise the Lord. And, and when you get a little bit of that, that sort of after lunch tiredness that you get when you get past 50 years old, you, you're going to say, even a, even, even a nap time, I'm going to just stay up a little bit and praise the Lord. And at nighttime, I'm maybe going to turn the TV off tonight and just not watch so much of MacGyver or whatever is popular anymore. That's, that, was, that gave me away. That was from like the 80s, wasn't it? But uh, you just say, I'm going to just turn that TV off tonight and I'm not going to ask the Lord anything. I'm just going to praise him. I'm not going to ask him for more significance or more security, more love, more acceptance. I'm just going to praise him. See, see, Rachel finally learned something. She, uh, Leah, excuse me, Leah finally learned something that, that the Lord sees. Yes. So, so she doesn't have to hold a baby up and say, look what I've done. She, she finally realized the Lord hears, so she doesn't have to have, have somebody come to her and say, like, uh, do, you have, do, you have a, do I have a voice? You, you have a voice because the Lord hears you, not, not because of the following that you, you have. The Lord loves you. You are attached. You, you are so attached that that you were attached even before you were born in your mother's womb. He was attached to you. His, his, his glance fell your way and he fell, in he fell in head over heels in love with you a billion times more than I fed, fell head over heels in love with Kelly when I first saw her. That when he, when he first heard you were being formed in your mother's womb, he knew it even before the foundations of the world, but when he saw that was happening in reality and time and space, he fell in love with you and he has, he has an, uh, an eternal acceptance for you. Uh, I'm not talking about... Uh, universalism, or please don't hear me the wrong way here. There, there is salvation, there is repentance of sin, but, but there is, even for a sinner, he still has his glance of love your way. He loves, he, he loves people, he, he loves his creation, and, and he hates that people would reject him and, and go into a godless eternity without him because his desire is to, to, to show us his, his kindness and acceptance. And um, I tell you, I am just so... Out of, out, of, out, of, uh, out of everything I've probably ever said from this pulpit or any other pulpit around the world, uh, it, whether you approve it or not, this one, this one really blesses me. I mean, I just, it makes me feel good. Like, oh, what, what's, what do I have to do with my life to be successful? Um, praise the Lord. I, I, I know how to do that. I don't, I don't know how to do a lot of the other stuff. Even in ministry, I don't know how to do it. I mean, I do it. I write books and I preach sermons, but when I'm done with it, I always feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. I just, uh, but, but I know how to praise the Lord, don't you? I mean, that's pretty simple. That's pretty simple. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise you. Praise him in the morning. Praise him in the noontime. Praise him in the evening. Pray, pray. I, you can do that. You can, you can do that, and it can bring love, and it can bring hearing, and it can bring significance, it can bring security, it can bring life to you. The Lord loves you, and he wants you to praise him day and night. You see, I would suggest to you the devil isn't just trying to steal your health. He's trying to steal your praise. The devil isn't just trying to steal your confidence. He's trying to steal your praise. The devil isn't just trying to steal your ministry, although he is. He's trying to steal your praise. So when he's affecting your ministry or your health or these other issues, he's not just trying to get that issue. He's trying to get to your praise. 
because if he can stop your praise, then he's satisfied. He's got us to do the very thing that God wants us to do. God wants us to praise him. He's looking to and fro throughout the whole earth to, to find a people that will praise his name, that will glorify him, that will exalt him, that will live for him and not for ourselves or our own significance or our own look at me, but we're living for him now. That's called a life of praise. The devil isn't just trying to steal uh, your ministry. He's trying to steal your praise. And I would suggest to you that when your health isn't all that you want it to be, you still have your praise. And when your finances aren't the way you want them to be, you still have your praise. And I would suggest to you when your marriage is not cracked up all that you wanted it to be, even though you might have fallen in love at first sight, and I, my marriage is cracked up what I wanted it to be. <laughs> but I would suggest to you here to this afternoon that even if your marriage isn't what you'd hoped it would be, you still have your praise. When your future isn't looking all that stellar, like you hoped that it would be, you still have your praise. When the girl says no, if you're single here today, when the girl says no, you can still have your praise. When the, when the college doesn't accept you, the Lord's still accepting your praise. When the car won't start, you still have your praise. When the idiot drives so slow in the fast lane, you still have your praise. When the, when, when the bills pile up, you can look at those bills and say it's hopeless, or you can still say, I still have my praise. When, you're, when your job is a bust, you still have your praise. When your dog doesn't like you anymore, <laughs> you, you still have your praise. When your dog doesn't like you anymore, and it's worse, your wife just brought home a cat. You still, wait a minute, wait, 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 I didn't say that. I'm gonna have to think about this one. Okay, okay, even with the cat, you can still have your praise. When, when my body is weak, yet I will praise him. When my journey is long, yet I will praise him. When my way seems hindered by the devil, yet I will praise him. When everything seems to be counting up against me, yet I will praise him. When my enemies surround me, yet I will praise him. When my heart is overwhelmed, I will yet praise him. When I'm going through the fire, yet I will praise him. When floods surround me, yet I will praise him. When I'm in the valley, I will still praise him. When I'm on the mountaintop, I'll praise him all the more because I like mountains better than I like valleys, but I'm still gonna praise him in the valley. When I'm in the desert, yet I will praise him. I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. If I'm not seen by the world as I want to be, praise still has the last word. If I'm not recognized, praise still has the last word. If I'm not heard, praise still has the world last word. If I don't feel like I belong, praise still has the last word. If I feel unwanted, unloved, or unaccepted, praise still has the last word. Praise has the last word. Devil, you may strike at my health, but you will not strike at my praise. You can... You can't have my praise. You can take all my money. You can try to steal it if you want, but you can't steal my praise. You, you can take my car, but you can't take my praise. You can accuse me, but you can't steal my praise. You can lie to me, but you can't steal my, take my praise. Devil, you can do all that you want, and you will not steal my praise. You can boast against me by trying the enemy to raise up against me, but you can't steal my praise. I, I just, I, I, if it's okay, I just want to praise him a little bit more here in my message. 
though the, rain, though the rains don't come, I still want to praise him. Though the, though the harvest doesn't come up out of the ground like I want it to, yet I will praise him. Because praise has the last word. If the land is dry and barren, yet I will praise him. Though the crops fail, I will praise him. If my clothes wear out, I will still praise him. If my shoes wear thin, I will still praise him. If my back aches like it does sometimes as an old man, my last word is still going to be praise the Lord at all times. Let praise be continually, 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 continually be in my mouth. You know what the, you know what the, you know what the Hebrew word for continually means is? Continually. You just, you continue when it's hard. You continue when it's difficult. You continue when you want to give up. You continue when you're beaten down. You continue praising the Lord at all times. Praise has the last word. And when he calls me home and I get to see him face to face, there's where praise is not the last word. It's the first word. It's the first word. Praise the Lord. Praise the, I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Let all that is within me, all that is within me, praise the Lord. Not just some that's within me, but let all that's within me. And that means at all times, when things are good, I praise Him. When things are bad, I praise Him. Praise Him in the morning. Praise Him in the evening. Praise Him in the noontime. Praise Him in the summer. Praise Him in the winter. Praise Him in the cloudy days. Praise Him in the rainy days. Praise Him in California weather. Praise Him in Colorado weather is just as much. Praise Him at all times. Psalm 65 verse 1 says, tells us that praise is due you, O Lord. It's due you. Bless the Lord. Psalms 113 verse 1, praise the Lord, praise, O servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun until its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above the nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord who is seated on high? Who looks down far from the heavens and earth? He raises the poor from the dust heap and, they learn, and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and the princes of his people. He gives a barren woman a home. He makes her journey. He makes her joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Psalms 148 says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise the Lord from the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him. Listen to this. Praise him, sun and moon. Just, just might as well join in. Come on, sun. Come on, moon. Come on. You may be, son, you might be covered by clouds, but praise has the last word. Even for you, son, even for, even for you, moon, praise him, you highest heavens, praise you, him, you waters below the earth. Let, let them praise the Lord, the name of the Lord, for he has commanded it, and they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Verse 7, praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures of the deep, fire and hail, snow and mist, storm and wind, fulfilling his word. Praise the Lord, mountains and all the hills, fruits and trees and cedars and beasts and livestock and creeping things and flying things and kings of the earth, all the people, princes of the rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord at all times. Let all Israel, let all Israel who hears the Lord, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise. I don't know what you're facing before you came to this event. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know if you're on a mountaintop. Praise the Lord if you are. 
Maybe you're in the valley. Maybe you're in the hardest point of your life. Maybe you've been facing trauma, even now at an older age in your life. The things that should have happened to you aren't happening to you. Things that should have never happened to you are happening to you. And, and, and that, that trauma is getting you to, to look for things. I, I want us to move our glaze to Jesus tonight and say, I'll fix my eyes on you and I'll praise you, Lord. I, I will praise you. It'll be difficult. I'll praise you when I go into that doctor's office and he says, like it happened to me, the doctor said the word cancer and it scared me. My mom died of cancer. It was a scary thing to hear the word cancer. It just frightened me. But I just, it wasn't until I just said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to practice what I preach. Lord, I will praise you. I will praise you. I'll praise the Lord. Uh, C word, uh, cancer, has nothing to do with the P word, praise. All right? That's... that's that's the word. That, that has the last word in your life. It's, it's praise. You see, the, the thing that, and I'm closing with this. Maybe we could have a little worship team come. The thing about um, not praising the Lord when things are not going well is you're going to regret it. You're going you're, you're, to go, you're going to do like me. You're going to go like, even when like, if the Lord's doing something in my life that I don't want to happen in my life, uh, and I'm kind of grumbling. You were talking about that a little bit earlier, kind of feeling like murmuring a little bit. And, and, but there's something in my mind now. I'm experienced enough with the Lord now to know, like, this is so stupid because I'm going to regret doubting him because he's going to come through, prove himself faithful, and I'm going to be embarrassed that I was questioning him. So, so why wait until he comes through and fixes my problem? Then I'll praise him. Why not start praising him now? Just, just start praising him now because... Because that's what Satan's after, and that's what God's after. Satan's after to steal, kill, and destroy. God's after to, not just for his own sake, like he's some God up in heaven who's needy, and no, nobody's praising me lately. I need some more people to praise me. I don't feel very good today. Please praise me. He doesn't need it. You need it. We, we need it. We, we, need to, we need to praise him because nothing releases us from this, this mortal shell of pain and sorrow than to lift our eyes to the, where our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord. So I will praise the Lord at all times. I'll praise the Lord at all times. I'll praise the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Stand with me if you would, please. Thanks for tuning in today. We really appreciate you choosing the Teen Challenge of Southern California podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, do it today. It's easy. Go to wherever you get your podcasts, click on our icon and hit subscribe. A new podcast filled with godly encouragement, spiritual instruction, and teaching comes out every Tuesday. We know there's a lot of podcasts out there, and we're so grateful that you chose our podcast today. Be encouraged.